Welcome to Digication Scholars Conversation Series. I'm your host, Joan Watson. In this episode, you'll hear part one of my conversation with Clarence Chan from LaGuardia Community College in Queens, New York. More links and information about today's conversation can be found on Digication's Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Full episodes of the Digication Scholars Conversation Series can be found on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. Uh, By all accounting, Dr. Clarence Chan is a caregiver. He's a practicing physical therapist, He's a professor and director of the Physical Therapist Assistant Program at LaGuardia Community College and a martial arts instructor at the YMCA. He has recently completed a successful accreditation cycle, uh, earning a commendation from the Commission on Accreditation and Physical Therapy Education. The use of ePortfolios features prominently in Dr. Chan's teaching, research, and publication and in his recent accreditation success. We are so pleased to be speaking with him today. Welcome, Clarence. Awesome, thank you very much. Good afternoon, Joan, and uh, thank you for inviting me to join you with this conversation today. We're very, very pleased to have you. Thank you so much. I know you're busy and um, things get especially crowded on our schedules now that um, the world is inside out and upside down. So yeah, <laughs> thank yeah, you. Yeah, definitely. Thank I mean, you. We, we're learning uh, education, you know, as we know it. So. Yes, yes. I know people have been speaking a lot lately about um, building the airplane as we fly it. And um, I really don't like that metaphor too much because it usually has a very uh, bad ending. <laughs> well, we do have a few crash landing or crash and burn you know, depends on who we ask, right? (laughs) That's very true. That's very true. Well, I'm going to, going to jump right in because, um, you've, you've had a lot of success recently, some noteworthy things that I'd like to, to highlight. And I do want to get through sort of the, the, your personal um, connection with building portfolios, how you use it with your students, and then talk a bit about how you got to um, your success in the accreditation cycle. So, um, I read recently, um, that you were featured in the member spotlight for the Empire State Physical Therapy. Um, um, what is the word I'm looking for? The publication. Yes, the P word. <laughs> it was last year. So congratulations for that distinction. Um, in that article, you you share a little bit about your discovery and the exploration of the physical therapy profession as a new immigrant from Hong Kong. Um, and I imagine that, you know, physical therapy being sort of a, a newish profession at the time, or maybe not something that was heralded as um, a, a prominent profession, perhaps. But how have your experiences as sort of a discoverer or an explorer um, and a learner kind of contributed to your approach to teaching? Uh, yeah, I, definitely. I think the, the key word that uh, you know that there was really about exploration and discovery and and that's i think it's more or less the primary guidance for both myself as a learner uh and of course also professionally as a, a clinician as well as a, then became an instructor i think all of those are kind of intertwined you know early on because of the transition from obviously to a new country and learning the language and, and learning everything about, you know, the new world. I mean, so uh, in, in some way you have no choice, either you 
you know, you, you're going to have to discover, and certainly there's a lot to explore. And uh, through that process, you know, I, I accepted the fact that learning is going to be incredibly messy and challenging. And uh, like we said before, you know, building the airplane. So unfortunately, yeah, I mean, you know, everything from the Wrights brothers on, there's a lot <laughs> of uh, not so comfortable landing. So. Uh, that's right so definitely that's more or less what i kind of embrace the fact that uh for myself as well as teaching all my students is to embrace the discomfort i mean that's gonna be uncomfortable moment and could be lots of it and uh through that process as long as this is something you want and it's something that that's meaningful to you then you know, you, you get back up and, and go get some more and try it again and until, you know, until it, it, it gets a little easier. I mean, I don't think it's ever going to be, you know, 100% uh, comfortable, but at least it gets a little better. And uh, and, and uh, again, like you mentioned before, yeah, I'm, I am involved in martial arts for a number of years. And, uh, and that's certainly, you know, getting punched in the face will always be uncomfortable. I mean, uh, you know, you could be the world class, <laughs> you know competitor you know you still i don't think anybody enjoy that pain so yes yes but you you keep going yeah so motivation yeah. is a big part of absolutely of this. absolutely yeah well and i mentioned early on that you're a caregiver and i i feel like um as a fellow educator the 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 what you just mentioned about learning being messy and challenging but still getting back up that's bound to resonate with your students as well um, through through your pedagogy and, and your practice in the classroom. So could you talk a little bit, because I, I know that um, the student body that you work with in LaGuardia is incredibly diverse and, and faces a lot of challenges, some of which you may have faced yourself as a young immigrant in the country. Yeah. Can you discuss a little bit about how you, what your interactions are like with those students and how that impacts your teaching? Well, in that sense, yeah, I, I, I... I guess it is a a distinct advantage, you know, for myself uh, in relation to you know understanding the student a bit. I mean, certainly not totally, but uh, yes, it does give me uh, a little bit more of an insight and understanding of what they are going through and and the kind of uh, need and and uh, you know again that discomfort. Uh, you know, it, it does help in terms of relating to them, and and obviously, you know, they 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 know that I'm I, I went through the kind of more or less the same experience with them, and uh, yeah, no problem talking to them about you know how I struggle through, and uh, you know, that's what I wrote in the you know uh, some of the earlier work and talk to them. You know, for years, I walk around with a dictionary that in my hand because, you know, that was pre, you know, internet days and there's no, no Dr. Googles and, you know, everything is, you know, you go look it up yourself. You know, you want to find a book, you walk to the library, you know, you do your paper, you sit in the library, go to the shelf and, you know, pull out the book. So that's, something that you can relate and of course i think the language part i think the you know what makes laguardia so unique is is of course the uh number of languages and and the people's different background and cultures that you know and certainly there's no way i can relate to them all Uh, but i think by being in a foreign land 
not speaking the language, not understanding the culture, and of course deal with some of the other craziness of being, you know, minorities and and and, and not part of the culture. That's uh, those are the things certainly are, are a good place to have conversation with students, and and hopefully uh, through that conversation that that can provide them some support and comfort, and uh, and ultimately I, I want them to know, you know, all not just myself but my entire faculty team are there to not just teach them, to care for them. Because if you want to teach compassionate caregiver and mm -hmm. future healthcare professionals, those are the things that, uh, you know, far beyond what the textbook can offer. And, and I always tell the student that, if, uh, you know, the skill and the techniques and, and the knowledge you can always get down the road and you will always continue to get those. But, you know, if you start out with the compassion and the care, and that you got to have and that you got to have from day one. And, you know, you can't say you do that 10 years later as you get better. No, you, you know, that's the piece that I hope they all leave with. Right. Yeah, that's very true. Bedside manner, I guess, is what we used to call it, right? Now it's just this overarching sense of empathy and, and ethos. How do you how do you distill that in your students? How do you get them to connect with the, the concept of the ethos or the empathy? Well, I, I think in some way, and, and certainly there's a lot of different ways to do it. One certainly is through our teaching. And and I always believe, you know, whether you're a teacher or parents or, or a caregiver, you got the model by example. You know, uh, you can't tell people to care if you don't. And uh, also, I think in terms of the teaching part of it, you know, we understand, of course, the learning domain, you know, you know, the psychomotors, we can teach them the cognitive level, you can read the book, you can continue to study, give them a million exams. Uh, it's the affective aspect. And I think that's where, uh, whether people call it soft skill or people skill, uh, some of that, again, you got to, you know, one, you need to exemplify the best that you could and, and, and at the same time acknowledging the individual differences. But also I think that's where portfolio also comes in. Uh, okay. Give student another option, another platform uh, to, again, see the, whether it's self-discovery or, or self-expression. Mm -hmm. uh, nothing else, it just helped them realize that it's not all just about reading a textbook or memorizing for an exam or, or even mastering a manual skill. You know, it's about relating to people, communicating with people in various different ways, which again ties into our general education competency for the college, you know, in terms of elevating the communication ability in various ways, whether it's written and and uh, oral communication and of course, you know, portfolio also provide that digital aspect of communication. Yes, I agree. I agree. You had shared a, um, can we put up a, put up Willie's portfolio? Mm -hmm. Um, this, this student portfolio really exemplifies that too, which you were just talking about mm -hmm. the ability to sort of, um, kind of construct an identity, but to sort of share more than just what you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is this a, a student that has been through your courses? Yes, he, he graduated already. I think, you know, he graduated last year. And, uh, you know, and he came to us already with a world of 
you know, backgrounds and experience. I mean, he's in the militaries and uh, he expressed a little bit of, about his learning process and, and his education and aspiration. And, you know, I, I think as, as we know that, uh, you know, you're never going to know 100% about all the students as much as we try to. Some will let you in a little more than others. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then same way, I think the portfolio, uh, again, provide another alternative, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, they sometimes share more. And of course, there will be students who are still going to keep everything uh, close to the vest. And then, uh, <laughs> you know, you <laughs> ask them to put on five things and they, they give you, you know, four and a half, you know. And, <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, I do. I do feel like you're you're absolutely right. Hitting that kind of space and, and sometimes um, literary theorists, especially will refer to spaces like ePortfolio as a third space to sort of break down that um, what you're, what you're learning and what's expected of you versus sort of that private internalized part of you. And it gives you a place to sort of integrate those two. Um, And I notice even on your professional portfolio that you you do some of that yourself. Um, so to, to what extent then, so you have wonderful experiences of sort of discovery and um, you, you allow that in your students too. How, how does reflection and reflective practice fit in not only with the profession of physical therapy and, and, uh, health and wellness caregiving, but also with um, learning and growth among your students. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's the key word, right? Reflections, uh, you know, which is funny. We actually had a, uh, certainly one of my mentors, but also a longtime faculty with our program. And every time she hear the word reflections, she cringe. She said, oh, I can't stand that word. You know, <laughs> It, it seems to be such a cliche to overuse and, and mm-hmm. can be overinterpreted in various ways. And because it, it, it can be so many things and then, uh, you know, lack of a better word, I guess it can be a bit dirty work depends on, you know, you know how it's being viewed <laughs> even. So for right. her, certainly it was interesting that uh, angle to look at. But we understand, of course, the value of it. it it's, you know, whether you use that one word or not, uh, it, it, it is about... Uh, learning about yourself and, and and go back to that self-discovery and and uh you know exploring mm-hmm. you know everything around us as well as inside of us and you can't really do that without you know turning inward and reflect on your experience so uh you know the you know the portfolio allows that i mean i i, I can't say that it's always successful just like mm-hmm. any any sure. technology or platform or even the oldest tool that we can find, you know, it's not, you know, nothing is 100%. There will be people who embrace it and take full advantage of it. And then others, uh, once again, you know, they just do what they were told and because that's part of, you know, part of the process. But for the field, like Willie, you know, he he's able to, to understand the value of it and and kind of took a liking in, in, in developing it, whereas others are less so. So, you know, all we can do as an educator, I think, is to provide the the opportunity and um, you know, 
give them the the tools and the space and the support, and mm-hmm. you know you, you can lead them to the water, and that's that's all. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. true. Yeah. Yes. In in a recent article that you did with some colleagues in Madrid, you all talk um, about service learning and e-portfolios, and. I see a really great opportunity too when we talk about reflection, whether it's a a good Mm -hmm. word or a bad word. I know people, Mm -hmm. people shy away because it can be squishy Mm -hmm. and it seems sometimes superficial. That's why I always try to do the Mm -hmm. um, reflective practitioner sort of thing. So you're thoughtful about the work that you're doing, particularly when there are effective uh, sort of the affective domains involved, Mm -hmm. but with the service learning component, um, can you talk a little bit about that as part of your curriculum and then how you use portfolios to get students to engage with that beyond the actual experience itself? Yes. Uh, the, that where we find, you know, right now we have the most sustained and ongoing engagement with all of our students mm-hmm. through the portfolio. One is being that portfolio is a required element, you know, as part of our program. So uh, obviously, every student involved and built the portfolio from start to finish until, you know, beyond graduation. We always tell them it's really your own identity. Treat it as if it's your own website and, and you know, go as far as you want with it. You know, do as much or as little with it. And always emphasize that and, and want to make sure that it stays that way, is that it is student-owned and it's student-driven. Uh, as much as, you know, unfortunately, they do view it as sometimes it is a little bit top down because it's a programmatic mandate. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, kind of that that juggling act that we're trying to, you know, try to strike that balance. Uh, but in terms of how it supports surface learning for us, of course, is through their clinical education phase, you know, which is the clinical where they uh, out in the clinical world no longer you know, coming on campus on a regular basis. So we know that, you know, without a, a way of connecting with the student on an ongoing basis and also in some way encourage them or prompt them or if you some say we force them to uh, <laughs> to have to think Maybe about that's okay, that, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, to think about that their clinical experience, you know, what have you learned today? What was the experience like, you know, working in pediatric? center for the first time uh i was seeing someone you know pass away you know right in front of your eye when you're in the acute hospital in the icu so i think all of those experience sometimes get lost and get buried unless you at least again encourage them to to, to, you know put it on words and lay it out and share with people and uh you know, we do bring students in, of course, pre-COVID days that we you know, weekly bring students back in the evening for a one night a week seminar to to have a little bit of a, a sort of a powwow to share those experiences and wipe each other's tear kind of thing or clap each other's hand. Yeah. But, uh, you know, portfolio is another way so that we don't have to wait until, you know, that one day a week, you know, it's another space. So... We do create uh, a space and, of course, create another tab that's saying, uh, sure, you yeah. know, here you go. You know, this is your clinical experience. And because we have several rotations before they graduate, so we do break that down into different sections. And, and hopefully, again, as part of the feature of the portfolio, it's allow them to chronicle and uh, look across their 
you know, you know, study and experience across time. So they can see that, oh, wow, you know, what I'm experiencing right now in my final rotation is actually different than what I wrote, you know, six months ago, even when I had uh, my first time, you know, putting a baby in my hand kind of thing. Right, so, right. So that's, that's where I think the, the value of having a platform like the portfolio, and certainly I'm uh, not saying that's the only vehicle that we can do that, but certainly it's just one of a, a logical place to be, you know, from an ed- education angle. Yes, and it is nice that it belongs to the student too, because over time they're likely to forget some of those experiences as as they go about. So, in their own, um, you know, discovery journey, right of of their career, it's really nice to have that. Um, I love what what you said. You you prompt students um, in their portfolios as a place where you ask them what they've learned. So what have you learned, which I think is a great, you know, with all due respect to your colleague, a great reflection question, right? (laughs) I learned how to bend an elbow a certain way, but I also learned that, you know, maybe I shouldn't be working in an ICU environment, or maybe I really, truly enjoy working with geriatric patients. So this, this type of communication, I think you're, you're absolutely right, is completely valuable. Um, we, you know, the world has gone a little bit crazy right now. So we have different challenges when it comes to meeting with students face to face and that, that um, powwow ability that maybe you, you used to have on a weekly basis. I'm not sure where LaGuardia stands these days with face to face meetings, but has, has the role of portfolio changed since your instructional landscape has changed mm-hmm. a little bit? Well, I mean, it, it's constantly evolving. I mean, we've been, my program has been involved with portfolio for, for you know, more than a decade. So, uh, so that's certainly gone through a lot of changes and, and as, you know, the platform have changed and improved through the years and, and the flexibility and the, and the features that uh, added to, uh, to what we can do, uh, you know, but present this challenge as well, but at the same time does give people opportunity to explore further and certainly gave me a lot of opportunity to, to say, hey, what else can we do and uh, what would we like to change? And that's like most things, like my, my colleague always complain about me being, you know, uh, I can't stay still, you know, every semester I'm changing something and, and you know, just when you thought you, you arrive, okay, time to get up and uh, go to another place kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so <laughs> that, that evolution is constant. Uh, so same thing, and and you know it's almost like we we never comfortable and never happy with mm-hmm. what we got. <laughs> so in that sense, it's a, it, it, I guess it can be problematic. Uh, but as for us, then come six months ago, uh, when the world kind of went upside down, uh, the good part of it is we already have the portfolio structure and it's been in place and, and we've been using it. So there's really no need to change anything in that regard. Since mm-hmm. all the students have it, all the students continue to use it. Uh, in fact, for the past six months, I would say that we were able to, you know, even expand on the utilization and we, you know, not totally relied on it, but certainly since we're all relying on technology right now, uh, yeah. No portfolio, it's just another piece. And, uh, you know, like, again, any part of technology, none of them singularly is a panacea. 
you know, solve all, you know, well problem, but, you know, but at least it's another place, whether it's just simply as a vehicle for, uh, again, whether it's just simply presenting the artifacts and storing uh, materials and sharing and communicating uh, assignments. So all of, all of those uh, are being utilized. I mean, in fact, in the spring when I had my course first, you know, that sort of within three days, you got to totally convert to distant learning. Uh, right. Uh, you know, you, you have to be really creative and nimble in, in making that switch. You know, for us, one of the biggest, biggest challenge uh, in, in, as you can imagine, in the, the nature of physical therapy practice is that face-to-face -face interaction, that manual intervention of actually hands-on, which of course totally lost. And, and, and you know, it, it just, you know, you, you know, matter how many video you show and how many, you know, uh, you know case studies or, or, or you know, simulation, and none of those, are, you know, can replace the real thing. So I'm not saying portfolio can do any better, but what, what it does is at least whatever the students are learning and doing, um, again, they can also, you know, capture some of those experience and, and put in their portfolio. So what I did is actually, uh, since we can't do on campus practical exam, uh, I basically have them just practice, video it on their own, and, and capture the, the movement, the, the process, and the intervention itself. Some of them was able to, to have a family member uh, to do it. Others are creative in making some pretty interesting uh, mannequins and dummies that uh, they can practice everything from, you know, how you listen to heart sound and how do you perform, you know, respiratory drainage and, and or, or you know, wound care is pretty interesting. You know, how do you <laughs> how do you fake a wound and and actually dress it? And so things like that, they all uh, have to create videos and and submit it. And of course, naturally, as they you know, put it in your portfolio, I know where to find it. Mm -hmm. You know, have it there. That's mm -hmm. yours. That's part of this course experience. Now you can showcase it to people, and I can give you a grade. So That's great. So. Uh, you know, I think, you know, actually, I think all of our faculties uh, uh, in one way or another utilize some element of that. And, and certainly, again, even prior to COVID, all of their learning experience, minus the exams, uh, are captured in the portfolio anyway. That's excellent. Yeah. I imagine as a result, there are a lot of family members and family pets who are in really good physical shape <laughs> right now. I hope so. <laughs> they've been, they've been properly manipulated and they uh, feel really good. Uh, right? the, joint, the joint gotten looser than they have life. Yeah. Or, <laughs> that's right. Well, we'll just hope for the best part of that. Yeah. That's that's terrific. And so I imagine that you're seeing some pretty rich portfolios now that, um, and you're getting to see the extent of your students' creativity as if they nothing else, it. I get to see a lot of kitchens. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> This concludes part one of our conversation with Clarence Chan from LaGuardia Community College. To hear part two, be sure to subscribe to Digication Scholars Conversations on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. The Digication Scholars Conversation Series is brought to you by Digication, a technology platform powering the most innovative ePortfolio programs in K-12 and higher education. Our website can be found at digication.com. This episode was produced by Drew Albanicius. Thanks for listening.